0: The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season.
1: Welcome to the 442 Insider Podcast. My name is Aidan Orman, the editor of 442 Magazine, coming in off the bench for a more central role this week after Jacko's uh, business trip to Melbourne. I'm, I'm joined by 442's online editor, Mr. Kevin Ayers. Well, hey. And our special guest this week, former A-League coach, former NSL coach, one of the most uh, respected figures in the game, Mr. Branko Kalina. Welcome along. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what uh, a week it's been in football, I guess. Uh, oh, two goals. Yeah, lots of goals. New Socceroos. We're going to go through all of that today. But in this first part, I guess we'll just uh, crack on with um, the A-League, uh, which kicked off on uh, Friday night with uh, Western Sydney Wanderers defeating Melbourne Heart, uh, John Aloisi's team, obviously. Um, 2-1. What did, we, what did we make of this one? Um, Wanderers now two games unbeaten. Uh, two wins as well, obviously. Um, your thoughts, Kev Branco?
2: Um, oh, it's the battle of the rookie coaches, mm. uh, new start coaches this season, and uh, yeah, it was an interesting way it panned out. The season has not is not panning out quite the way we thought it would for either of the teams. Wanderers were tipped to uh, struggle quite badly and you know get the occasional win, but uh, two from two, and Melbourne Heart really struggling. I said in the last podcast, I thought the early season uh, results were just masking uh, flattering them a little bit uh especially after the the victory when i think we all read too much into that to be honest uh and i think that's proving true um but having said that you know there's plenty in both sides uh, to hold that have potential for the future um but uh yeah it's uh has got his work cut out i mm-hmm. think Mm. Yeah the
3: future's a lot brighter for uh, Western Sydney than it is for Melbourne Heart. I actually picked Melbourne Heart to finish last at the start of the season. And, and there was And you weren't alone. Yeah well which you know surprised many because even though a lot of us picked Melbourne Heart to finish last it was a bit surprising mm. to some extent uh, when you look at where they finished last year their roster and so mm. forth. But when you look look overall at the setup. You had some question marks about Melbourne Hutt. Uh, new coach, mm. and support staff, uh, some of the key players had probably mm. left. They have released a lot of players as well, albeit maybe not stars, but they were, they were good <coughs> squad players. Mm. And when you have uh, a mass exodus from, uh, from your playing roster, it's always difficult to re- replace it. Mm, I'm sorry. a great believer mm. that... Good teams are the ones that add one or two quality players each year. Incremental. Than, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather yeah. than change it all Evolution, up. not revolution. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Western Sydney on the other side, I always thought they would do better than a lot of p- pundits gave them uh, um, credit for. The reason being is that when you, even though they had a very short period of time to get assembled uh, together, what they did well was... Picked a lot of experience. If you look at uh, Western Sydney, I think, you know, it's hardly a young player on the team. Aaron Moore is the only one. Mm. The rest are all experienced people, starting mm. with the goalkeeper Antekovic to the two stoppers, Michael Beecham and Nikolai Topper Stanley, all the way through to Cressinger. Okay, Joey Gibbs has had a bit of a run lately, but. And Western Sydney will do a lot better. Mm. And with Western Sydney, because they're well-structured and well-organised, well-drilled side, they will never lose too many games by big margins. Mm. Having said that, they <laughs> won't win too many by big margins, yeah. and margins either.
1: Braga, what's your, I mean, you're the guy who's coached in the A-League in this room. And what's your take on, on this Ron Smith mentoring role that he's got with, with the club? He's not actually at the club day in, day out. He's more, I guess, he's available on Skype... Um, What's your take on, on, on how that works and, and how important will it be to have, for John, to have somebody like Ron uh, just there to talk to? Look,
3: Ron's a wonderful um, <clears throat> person to have on board. Uh, what I don't like about the setup is that Ron's not there. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the cold key mm-hmm. to it. I think John Aloisi desperately needs to have a senior mentor around him. Uh, no disrespect to John Aloisi, mm-hmm. but you know, there's a lot of expectation on Melbourne Heart. And uh, uh, John needs the support. Okay, he's got Hayden Fox there, but Hayden's also a rookie. Ron Smith is a perfect person to have if he's available mm. daily. And, and he has to be there at every training session at, because Ron Smith is a sounding board for John Aloisi, you know, he, he, and it's not happening at the moment because Ron's in Canberra. Uh, John's in, in Melbourne. Mm. He doesn't see what goes on. Um, Analyzing the game two couple of days later is not the solution. Mm. You've got to be there, see everything, and then put in your two bobs worth as far as advice is concerned. So mm. the sooner they get Ron Smith on board full-time or someone else, mm. the better it will be for John. Aloisi and people at Melbourne Heart.
1: Mm. And I I don't want to dwell on this too much, but Heart do sort of seem to play a more direct role or direct style this season than, than the last two years under John Van Skip. Um, is that how you guys see it? That, that they seem to be a little bit... There's certainly a lot more mongrel in that side than than ever before, I'd say.
2: Yeah, but to be fair, though, I think, you know, they are very well drilled. You know, they do play a nice short passing game still. Uh, and I was surprised... I still am surprised but just how uh, tight they've got... A. A. John's got them playing.
1: Mm. Um, and, of course, Grella to come back as well.
3: Yeah, well, that's going to be a huge plus. I think just what Kevin was talking about... Uh, well drilled. In the first game, I thought they were very well drilled Yeah, mm. the victory. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe mm. I've, I might mm. have egg on my face picking mm. them to finish last. <clears throat> Excuse me. But having said that, because they've been under pressure in a lot of the games, um, they tend to use the long ball. When do you use the long ball? When you're under pressure. So when everything is going well for them, mm. they still play some attractive football. Yeah. As soon as they're under pressure, mm. then that's when they start losing... Um, uh, options in their play and the, and revert to playing the long ball and unfortunately we're seeing a far more of that than we would like because Melbourne mm-hmm. Heart can't play good football. It
2: becomes a percentage thing as well mm. when you're playing the long ball. You might clear the immediate danger, but you're then just setting yourself up for yet another
1: yeah. uh, onslaught Absolutely. attack. If yeah. you
2: if you don't make that and look, I was in
1: that. I was in Melbourne to see the victory game and I just couldn't believe how good Heart were on that that opening day. Um, so it has been a bit of a surprise, but um, yeah, we'll talk about them a little bit later because they got a big game this weekend against Brisbane Roar. Again, I think that goes back to how bad... Victory actually were at the time exactly. on that day, and we
2: didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, we didn't realize. It I at the time. think also
3: the fact there was a derby, you know, a huge forty forty odd yeah. thousand, yeah. it lifts everybody. Yeah. And and to some extent, there was less pressure on Melbourne Heart than it was Melbourne Victory. Oh, Being Angie yeah. Postecoglou's first game in charge, I think everyone expected Melbourne Victory to be another Brisbane Roar mm. immediately, uh, where Melbourne Heart probably played without that pressure. But having said that, the, their game plan, tactical plan, was superb. They put pressure on Melbourne Victory early and. Melbourne victory wanting to um, absorb this Brisbane Raw mentality of playing the ball out of the back thought, well, mm-hmm. we're going to try and do it all the time. And, and Melbourne Heart really took full advantage of that. Yeah. And tactically, they won the game on the night.
1: Mm. Moving on, though, Perth glory, uh, a cracking game 3 uh, 2 over Newcastle Jets in Perth. Um, yeah, the glory ticking along very nicely. Newcastle kind of a little bit up and down, one of your former clubs, uh, Branco. Um, are Perth glory, are we seeing one of the sides that can end up in the top two, perhaps? Is, is, or is it too early to say?
2: I think top two is probably too early to say, but certainly top six. Uh, mm. Without any doubt, they're going to be the finals bound. Uh, I said last season that uh, they would be top six because even Fergie couldn't screw up that side. <laughs> Ouch! And uh, at one stage, that was coming back to bite me. But no, I was proved right in the end. And now I think a season on, Fergie has definitely found his groove. Uh, he knows how to get the best out of that side. It is a fabulous squad. It's mm. you know it's such a balanced squad with good depth across the, mm. the entire. Uh, a, a field. Uh, I <coughs> love everything about Perth Glory uh, this season. I think really strong contenders. Mm. I'm not sure that they're necessarily going to be title bound, but it's so hard to tell in this mm. league. You can't, you can't pick any one team out for that, I don't think.
1: Your thoughts, Branko, on, on this particular Perth Glory this season? They've yeah. added some good young players as well. I, a bit of pace?
3: I've wrote an article uh, for the FFA website on the three teams that I felt uh, playing the four-two-three-one system. I had the best chance of uh, going the furthest. And Perth Glory is one of those. In fact, uh, at the start of the season for another newspaper col- uh, column, um, I picked them to be the team to beat this year. The reason being is I thought they were last year, as Kevin said, that with the experience that they had, mm-hmm. they, they certainly were one of the best sides. And Ferguson, uh, Ian Ferguson, to his credit, has uh, uh, come on as well as a coach. Yeah.
1: Um, and he is a fairly inexperienced coach as well, he, isn't he? He is,
3: but I, I think he was... Uh, um, Criticise a hell of a lot more than what he should have been. Um, you know, they talk about his ugly football, but I've seen the Perth play some good football mm-hmm. as well. Oh, I, I think, to be fair, I think that was f-
2: fair comment to begin with, uh, but these days I don't think it is fair comment at all. I think they are a strong side uh, without being physical or dirty.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd describe Kev and Aiden at Perth as um, um, a team that has that got quality players. In key positions And to me They are mm. the two stoppers I think uh, The acquisition of Michael Thwaite mm. uh, is, is, is is a great Great uh, Coup for uh, Perth Glory Having You know In particular When you've got Danny Vukovic in goals mm. You've got Michael Thwaite Then in the middle of the park Two of the Probably the me- best Midfielders in my opinion You've mm. got uh, Jacob Burns Who can um, Give you that uh, Aggressive mm. uh, uh, Ball-winning mm. approach, but he, but he can play, well. But he can play. Yeah. a lot of people don't give uh, Jacob uh, credit uh, for the way mm. he plays the game. And Liam Miller, in my opinion, is certainly one of the finest midfielders. Although I still believe that if McGarry and Miller were to swap positions. Perth Glory would be a better side. The reason, Miller yeah, forward. The mm. reason being is Miller would be closer to, to the goal. And Miller is such a fine passer uh, off the ball that he would bring other players mm. a lot more into the game and be more dangerous higher up the field. But, um, and then in front of them, they've got, of course, uh, Shane Smeltz when he leaves out his pick. And he can, you know, he's the kind of player that can play poorly but still score goals.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So 3 2 it was to, to Perth. I think one of the best games of the round. And on the same night, just moving straight ahead, um, a little game up in uh, in, uh, Gosford, uh, a game that has been well uh, discussed and documented this week, 7-2 to um, Central Coast. And and I'm hearing on Twitter this morning that uh, Daniel McBreen has made the EA Sports Global Team of the Week. So it's McBrain <laughs> and Messi and Ronaldo. I mean, this is amazing. Well, I am going to confirm that shortly because I've just had an email from uh, EA Sports that they're going to confirm that, but that I is what I'm hearing. I saw something on Twitter from the
2: A-League yeah. uh, suggesting which that is amazing.
1: Well. But look, um, how do you sum up a night like that? I mean, I think in, we said in the podcast last week, Branko, that, that I think I predict this would be the, the barn burner, as the Americans call it. No, I'm
2: sure that was me. Oh, yes. I'm sure that <laughs> yes, was you're me. you're right it was, Kevin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I I you get it right all the time. As,
2: I think it will be a 0-0 draw, but... What I actually meant was seven-two win for the Mariners.
1: Greg, I'd be fascinated to know—you know—as a coach again, you've coached one of those clubs. Um, you know, how do you how do you pick the players up after this? And also, what was your take on that second half as well?
3: Yeah, look, um, I think uh, j- just on the second half, um, the coaching staff uh, at Sydney FC decided to take a risk. They 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 were behind, and they thought, okay, how do we get back into the game? Let's change the side, uh, formation, everything. Now that's fine if you've rehearsed it and and worked on it at training, but if you haven't, it can have the the um, opposite effect. Uh, we saw in the first ten minutes with the change. I think it sort of um, confused um, Central Coast a little bit, and. Sydney actually had the opportunities and they scored a Mm. lovely goal through Ali Abbas. But then I think uh, Graham Arnold readjusted and he's very good at doing that during the course of the games. In my opinion, he's one of the better ones during games of changing Mm. the the tactical Mm. approach. Mm. And all of a sudden we saw uh, Sydney FC on the back foot. And uh, look, if there is a little bit of criticism about my old side Sydney FC, it is that I still believe that whilst they are missing some quality players, their structure and organisation isn't quite there the way you would like a better top side. Mm. They need to work on that. I know it's been difficult, but to me, you know, that is a sign of, of, of a team, is how they are positioned, structured, mm. organised. And if they are well-drilled, there's a fair chance they'll go a lot further.
1: But, Breger, I mean, haven't they had six months in the off-season to work on structure? I mean, isn't, isn't the off-season about shape?
3: It is, but um, again, um, I suppose the only excuse you can have, and it's happened to me with Sydney FC. I remember being in the same situation um, um, when I coached Sydney FC. We had Juninho, Corica, Milligan, Zatkovic, Bolton all missing. And, you know, you don't want to make excuses, but when you're missing four or five, key players it does make a big difference because your pre-season and stru- uh, organisation could have been very much r- conducted around those players um, having said that um, you know there is a lot more depth in the Sydney FC side these days or should be mm-hmm. uh, and uh, really, you know, they lost the plot. They lost the plot in that second mm. half. The, you know, some people were talking about, uh, you know, Mark Bosnich mentioned on Fox Sports, oh, uh, the players didn't try. I don't agree with that. I think the players tried. Mm. I just think they got
1: confused, and in the end, they weren't good enough. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking about Sydney, but of course we, we have to talk about Central Coast, uh, an unbelievable performance at times. Rogic, that was probably the one that tipped them over for the national team selection. Kevin, when you watch a team like that play, does, in your head, do you say this could be the side that wins it this year? This is the type of team that can win it this year. Oh yeah,
2: I mean, I think Mariners are always going to be in uh, in the running to to win uh, the Premiership uh, and possibly the Championship for the first time. Um, and especially when you see a performance like that, mm. left in no doubt. But I mean, they were capitalising, as Branko was saying, on the, the change that Sydney brought in, especially mm. in the second half. They went to a defensive back three with Daniel Petkowski in the middle and he's just a young lad Mm. you know uh, you can I mean Krookie was sort of playing it by the book as far as I could see it was like he wants it was uh, dogma over pragmatism you know he wanted to play he wants to play attractive attacking football but sometimes you just can't you know when you've lost your entire backline to injuries you can't then switch to a rookie back three with a young lad in the middle of that and not expect to get completely overrun Mm. And when you do get overrun, you really should pull things back again. Yeah.
3: Well, one of the things I noticed, and even uh, on Tuesday I was at the practice match they had against Western Sydney Wanderers, mm-hmm. is it's a very quiet side. There le- seems to be a lack of leadership on the park, and certainly that was evident mm-hmm. against uh, Central Coast Mariners. Mm. When people like Boscart uh, come on board and, and, and a couple of more experiences... And Griffo as well, And, yeah. and Griffo, there'll be a lot more communication and organisation yeah. because you know against um, uh, Central Coast, not only were they undermanned with uh, players, but the leaders. And on the park, you've got to have leaders. You've mm. got to have people who will pick up the pieces when things are not going well. And apart from not having Del Piero as well, mm. they didn't have all of these other players who, who have the ability to probably lift, uh, yeah. lift so on. But the, the thing that I noticed against Central Coast Mariners, and, and full credit to Central Coast Mariners, who I thought were vulnerable early on because they made some uncharacteristic mm. errors in, mm. in defence, Sydney gave him far too much space. Rogic, who I thought was outstanding, was outstanding more so, not only because he's, he's a great player, but because he was given so much space and room. You give that to any one of us and we'd probably still do some damage, yeah. let alone someone like Tommy Rogic. Mm. It was interesting, actually. Yeah.
2: We've got this new chalkboard feature on our homepage where you can actually see in real time who's making the passes, who's making the tackles and how that's all playing out. Uh, and Trent McClanahan... Hardly makes any tackles in a match, ever. Oh. All he, mm. His main purpose is clearances. And he does shitloads of clearances, but very few tackles. Uh, and when you've got a back three, I think you need somebody who's actually going to get dirty, get mm. in people's faces, and get force those turnovers. I, th-
1: I think somebody, was t- as I was watching the game from a party, by the way, um, uh, something like Mark Rudin you know who's a leader at the back who who can really dominate i think he was the sort of player that they really needed on that night just to to bring that defence kind of a little bit more Presence, I think. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I think a
3: combination of the two uh, um, qualities that uh, both of you have just mentioned. One is someone going to get stuck in and damn well win that ball, yeah. and, uh, and also someone who's going to organise it. Who is the player at their club that they have? Let's forget about the past who mm. who used to do that. Is Pascal Boskart. Yeah. Because Boskart can get stuck in and win that heart, ball, but he can also... Lead and show a little bit of leadership, and, and his presence alone will lift mm. other players around him. And that's what, at the moment, Sydney FC is missing. And certainly against Central Coast, that was something that they didn't have. Mm. In the favour, though, I thought some
2: of the passing they were doing up front was actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Two great
1: goals from Sydney oh. as well. I yeah. mean, how good, was, how good were they? I mean, both quality finishes.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ali Abbas' goal was absolutely superb, yeah. uh, super, he, superbly taken. He, yeah. he,
2: and a very poor side up to now.
1: Yeah. He's been having a great season. He's interesting because when he first came to this country, I saw him play for Marconi in the, in the Premier League, and he was a really tricky winger. He didn't have a lot of physicality to his game. He's changed his game, hasn't he?
3: Yeah, look, I brought him to Newcastle on the back of uh, his... Uh outstanding form for McConey and uh, the hardest part for me was trying to work out what's his best position I don't think he's well suited out wide because whilst he's got this sharpness about him he doesn't really have the, the, the speed to get past players like James Vigili for example or Craig Goodwin or mm. Travis Dodd the likes of those mm. then I you know I tried him in the number 10 role and To me, I still think that's probably the position that suits him the best. He's a free spirit. He likes to Mm. go all over the place. A little bit undisciplined from time to time, but great passion, great work rate for the game, and certainly if he was played in the position over a period of time, I think he could make it his own.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, he could push uh, Del Piero out of that number 10 role, perhaps. Well,
3: maybe Del Piero could be better suited further up the field, because I still think that uh, Sydney FC have a problem in that number 9 spot. I don't Mm. think Chianese or or Lovrek are the solution. Lovrek is more of a number 10. I think when Lovrek was bought by the club. They were looking at him playing at number 10 rather than the number 9 for more, all my mm. information about Lovrek Because he's a he's kind of player that doesn't have a great deal of speed. He doesn't yeah. really play off the shoulder, uh, as a lot of mm. strikers do. He's more um, suited to coming in between the lines. So the question is, what do you do with uh, Del Piero? Uh, so you've got two probably good players mm. playing the same role. Maybe mm. this is where they need to rethink because it'd be a great shame if, if someone like Lovrec was not played because things have changed. But um, I still think there's room for Ali, Ali Abbas in the team because I think he's now getting better and better. Yeah. Whether it's you know in that... Central controlling midfield role or not, when everyone is available, I'm not quite sure.
1: All of the hard questions for coaches, uh, Branco, isn't it? But look, moving straight along, Brisbane Roar, we've got to talk about the champions, of course. Um, well, champions <sighs> propping up the bottom of the wow. table. Who would have thought this? Um, Adelaide United, I thought were were very solid and they, uh, I think they possibly deserved their win. Um, Vidicic versus Vidicic which we'll talk about later with son versus uh, 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 father in, in the A League um, a 1-0 win to Adelaide who are now flying in the league nobody picked this um, a good goal as well from Dario um, what's wrong with Brisbane Roll? too slow going forward and not enough movement if you look at the table the bottom five clubs
2: are three or four of them are rookie coaches this year uh, I think that tells you its own story to be honest it's And the top two clubs, both very, very experienced coaches.
3: Yeah, Yeah. uh, it's a good point. I didn't quite look at it that way, but now that you mention it, Kevin, it makes sense. Look, Adelaide, just quickly on Adelaide, Mm. I, I think they're solid. There's no doubt that being involved in the uh, Asian Champions League has helped them immensely because mm-hmm. their fitness and uh, preparation mm-hmm. has uh, probably put them ahead of the other teams, at least for all. They'll, they'll hit a brick wall probably in the next six, seven weeks, maybe halfway through the season, and, and then it's how they pick themselves up from there that will matter. But at the moment, they're very, very solid. Brisbane Roar, look, uh, rather, rather Vinicic, everyone um, at Brisbane tells us that he was really the person that mm. had a huge influence on, on how the team played and, and the players. The difference between Radha Videsic and Angie Postacoglu is personalities. Uh, Angie Postacoglu was, is a more of a manager than a coach, where Radha is a coach. Mm. I think when you're a, um, a good person, an introvert and, and, and soft to some extent like Radha, players can take an advantage, and I think that's what we're seeing at, at mm-hmm. Brisbane Raw. I think the players are taking advantage of, mm. of a very um, calm atmosphere at the moment. There doesn't seem to be pressure on the players. and I, For the first time in the last three years, I saw something at Brisbane Raw that I didn't see previously, and that is when they lose possession of the ball, they walked back, where normally Berisha mm-hmm. and Broish, even though they are big names and they play high up the field where you don't expect um, the strikers to mm. do as much defensive work, they would be the first ones to get involved in yeah. your first... And set uh, the
1: example. Yeah, yeah, your
3: first line of defence is your attack. It wasn't happening in this game. And the build-up was ever so slow, and I thought, nah, mm. something is wrong with this. Um, They need to change, because if they don't, there will be a yo-yo team. And even in the pre-season, their performance was up and down, Mm. and that was a warning sign.
1: But how difficult is it to change during the season? I I think a lot of coaches have said, once the template is kind of set with that coach, it's very hard to change.
3: Well, that's another problem. Kevin mentioned about a rookie coach. Have a look at his right-hand man, uh, Jeff Wat- uh, Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah. Another rookie. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be the right balance. I always, you know, there, there should be, if a, if a coach, if it's a, a senior coach, you should have a younger coach, yeah. uh, assistant coach yeah. next to him, and quite uh, yeah, the yeah. opposite. Just uh, for balance and guidance and, and, mm. and et cetera, uh, if that uh, is what we're looking at. I, I just think that, Brisbane North have added to their game. I think they're a more direct team now yeah. than what they were under yeah. past post yeah. And we saw that in the game against Melbourne Victory yeah. where the long... I call it the long pass. I don't agree with this long ball, but a long pass from Theo, the goalkeeper, all the way to, I think, uh, Enrique, or, uh, and they scored with three touches from the keeper. Mm. That's a bit that I like about them because if teams are going to play high up the field against you, what's the best way to beat them? Mm. Ball over the top. Over them. Mm.
1: Yeah. So you're not wedded to that dogma of playing out from the back. Absolutely
3: not. I I think, you know, everyone loves to play the possession game and Mm. in all the years that I've been a coach it depends on the quality of players that you have. You know, some play, some uh, people expect you to play um, you know, the possession based games no matter who you play against. Well, the, the reality is if you play against better teams, it's not going to work as well as it is against the poorer teams but I think there's got to be the right balance there's got to be tactics you know again let's go back to Graham Arnold and Central Coast Mariners the reason that, why I think they're always dangerous is because they do vary their game depending on the opposition that they play uh, and, and the conditions of the game I watched them against Perth Glory in, in, uh, at, the, at Gosford it was a game where it wasn't a game yeah. uh, it was a midfield battle because they played the same system four two three one as Perth did and it was getting yeah. nowhere the next thing you know, Trent Sainsbury plays this delightful 40 metre diagonal ball yeah. over the top to McBrand to chest down and score a wonderful goal. Game finish, one down.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, well, look, just the final uh, game of the weekend was a Monday night game in Melbourne, uh, which is the night before uh, the Melbourne Cup, of course. Um, and victory, we were speaking about Ange before, um, victory, winning 3 2 absolutely looking superb for 60 minutes, and then they kind of let well, uh, Wellington back in with some fantastic goals. It was a great night's entertainment. 20,600 was there. Um, uh, is victory, Branko, is, is it, are we seeing the Ange factor starting to really set in now? I'm not sure about
3: whether we're seeing the Ange factor, but what we are seeing is a much improved performance mm. by Melbourne Victory. And that's to be expected. When you look at the players that they've got on their roster, playing roster, it's a damn good squad. Mm. Uh, and Ange you know, uh, picked a lot of them um, of those players. You know, there's some talk that oh, Andrew needs to clean clean more. But how many more can you clean uh, clean up? To me, a sign of a good coach is a, is a coach a, who can get the best out of what he has, and, at the same time try and build on for the future these coaches that come along and say oh, I need a year or two to clean up everything mm. and st-. well to me are the, are the supporters going to be patient is the board members mm. going to be su- patient that long mm. no, the c- good coach is the one that improves what he mm. inherits and gets the best out of them um, Ange uh, is certainly got Uh, Melbourne trying to play the football that he played at at Brisbane I thought for the first hour against a very poor by the way Mm. uh, for Mm. some reason uh, Wellington they were very very good but in the last 15-20 minutes Melbourne also showed how vulnerable they are particularly in defence and teams that take Melbourne to task uh, defensively who put pressure on Mm. them will reap benefits and more often than not.
1: And, uh, but fair play to them, they were fantastic goals for, for Wellington as well, Cave. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean. Uh, but I, I think the main thing that made the goals so uh, great
2: was they were so unexpected because mm. they had been out the game for 70 minutes. You know, they, they just hadn't been there, they hadn't woken up, uh, yeah. they hadn't got off the plane. Uh, Victory were completely classing them in attack. But as soon yeah. as they pressured the defence, the defence crumbled. Victory's defence really does seem to be you know, made of glass this season. Uh, it just takes a tap and it just shatters. Uh, so they really need to work on that. And I guess we've bad. seen that with
1: the goalkeeper situation at Victory as well. I mean, it's been a, a carousel of goalkeepers this year.
3: Three in five games. Yeah. It's not bad going. And it shows you that uh, uh, how uh, the situation is there. That, uh, and you're still not sure. Well, you know, And you should be. You know, we talk about having six months or so pre-season. Well, surely that period of time should have told mm. you who your best... You mm. know, uh, option is. But uh, that's a good point. Uh, I, I think Nathan Coase uh, is a very good goalkeeper, although I, I noticed that he's not um, all that comfortable coming out of his off his line. He's mm. very much a, um, a goalkeeper that likes to stay on, mm. on his line. But it's the people in front of me that I still feel is mm. Melbourne Victory's biggest problems. Mm. And until they get that sort of... Mark Milligan, who's playing superbly in, in the middle of the um, midfield, um, you wish you had two of them. One in playing as a a stopper and the other one in midfield. But if you're going to play Mark in midfield, you've got to find a good replacement next to Adrian Leia. And even Adrian Leia, the type of football that Melbourne Victory wants to play I'm not quite sure how well he's suited to mm. that but definitely if they want to be a top team they need to work on their defensive structure because going forward they are superb and we mm. saw some great mm. goals that goal by Flores mm. playing that the combination with Finkler was just I, I reckon superb goal uh, that probably would go a long way being the goal of the mm. season as was Jeremy Brockie's mm-hmm. left foot strike. Oh, oh, so, well, so pleased for him because uh, I brought him to Newcastle from Queensland Fury, and he had a broken leg. And people said, "Why'd you bring this cripple?" Well, yeah. uh, I think he's
1: now, now we're seeing him. Uh, it,
3: it's funny, you know, Brocky doesn't seem to
2: score. A huge amount of goals. But great goals. <laughs> Every <laughs> single one is a cracker. Yeah. I think he'll score a lot of goals this He's year. He's the Brendan I mean,
1: Santalab a... of season eight, I would <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Well, on that note, a bumper part one. We will now take a quick break and we're back in part two to discuss some of the stories. Um, on our website, au.442.com.
0: You know business could be better.
1: You know you need
0: more skills, but you also know you haven't got time to learn those skills. Go to workshops or listen to webinars. Don't stress. Listen to Business Success Radio for all the latest ideas to make your business a success. Get your business on track with the right advice from dozens of Australia's leading business experts in your office, your car, or on your phone. Go to businesssuccessradio.com.au and click the Listen Live button. Business Success Radio. Your business, your radio. The latest on
1: the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to part two of the 442 Insider podcast. We're having an absolute banter yarn here about um, a lot of things in football, but some of the stories on 442, oh, au.442.com this week include Kevin, um, Harry Kuehl. Yeah, uh,
2: Tony Sage coming out and uh, completely confirming the fact that they're in talks with Harry to bring him over to uh, Western Australia. From a cool perspective, you can actually understand why he would go to uh, Perth, because it's still it's much, much shorter to get back to the UK if he needs to for his wife's family uh, and the issues they've got there. Um, but... The thing I can't actually quite understand is one, how they're going to fit him into the side because they've got a full squad, Mm. and two, even if they could fit him into the squad, where would he play? Mm. Uh, Because I can't see an automatic place slot for him to, position for him to slot into. Um, I mean, I I, I personally would like to see Harry back in the A-League again. I think it's a great thing, but uh, I think... Perth Glory might not be the best side mm. for him, uh, or for Perth Glory, to be honest. The,
1: the, the thing that troubles me, and I love Harry, and, and I'd love to see him back, and perhaps even at Western Sydney would be great, is he had a chance encounter with Sage. I'm just reading the story. It, there doesn't seem to be a, a, a sort of like a plan for him at the moment. There's a chance encounter with Sage, and suddenly he's linked with Perth Glory. Um, he rolled up at Stoke, and there was a bit of confusion about why he was there. There doesn't seem to be a set plan by a, a manager or an agent about Harry to say this is how we're going to go about getting getting you a club. Branko, your thoughts on on Harry firstly coming potentially coming back to the A League and does he need a better manager? What's going on? I'd love to see Harry kill
3: back in football, full full stop because I think, you know, uh, Harry uh, has still got uh, a fair bit to offer to the game. Mm. Uh, where that's a good question. Is is Perth Glory the right club for him? Uh, again, um, if everything uh, was uh, true to form and and First Glory was able to fit him in the, the cap and also numbers-wise, I, I believe they're over the, mm. over the numbers. Um, uh, great, but to break the rules, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think it'd be fair on the, on the other clubs. Uh, has he lost his way? I think he has. There's no doubt that since Bernie Mandic um, um, was released as his manager, mm. uh, there hasn't really been a, a football plan for mm. him. Maybe off the park. He's better off, and, and et cetera. And His manager seems to be a great celebrity it, agent, yeah. not but, a football. Yeah. Uh, but Harry is a simple person that I know, and he's a football person. I don't know whether Harry enjoys these Melbourne Cup uh, you know, fashion stakes and the, all these other things off the park. Maybe he does, but I know that uh, from... Uh, footballing point of view, he, he was far better served under Bernie Mandich. And Bernie Mandich was very particular and mm. specific about what Harry was going to, mm. to do. Uh, Perth Glory would be a great destination for him. I think there is a spot in, in the team for him. The, you know, that what, kind where of,
1: would you play him, though? I mean, I, look,
3: to me, these days, Harry's yeah. not a... Um, Uh, a winger, uh, because he hasn't got the speed anymore to get past, Mm -hmm. the zip pass players, although he's still sharp. I think, you know, we talked about Perth Glory before, where uh, at the moment they've got uh, Jacob Burns along, uh, Liam Miller, and McGarry. As much as I'm a uh, fan of uh, McGarry, I don't think he's a number 10. I think Harry would be ideal just behind Shane Smeltz mm. when he's available, or Billy Mehmet mm. when he's playing. Because Harry can play also <laughs> as a, a second striker. Mm. And to me, that number 10 in modern football needs to be able to... So if a team goes from four, two, three, one to four, four, two, that number 10 becomes automatically second striker. Harry would be ideal. Mm. And he would be sensational because mm. he would love that free roll. Yeah. Um, the other club that I think he would be ideal would be Western Sydney, because of yes. the Western Sydney route.
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, we actually spoke to Lyle gorman about uh, Harry when he first came back to uh, Australia this time. Uh, and th- he was speaking in riddles, as, as uh, football people tend to do mm-hmm. sometimes. But what he said at the time was that uh, they've not been in contact with Harry. They've got no plans to be in contact with Harry. But that doesn't mean that they would rule out Harry joining them. Uh so you know, somebody's gotta make the first move yeah. somewhere and I think he would he would be the perfect fit there. You know, yeah. crowds would love him. Great player, uh, great addition to the sides, great experience to share with the youngsters on the side, uh homecoming for Harry to the West. It would be the fairy tale and why they can't approach him is beyond me, especially if he's not looking for money.
3: Um, yeah, well, that's what they say. Uh, I, I mean, look, there's always been this um, issue about Harry, how much he's going to get, and um, he, uh, can the clubs afford to pay him? But if it's true, as we read in the press, that uh, he's not really after money, he's after opportunity, I think there should be a club out there who says, hey, let's, let's test him, mm. let's test him. Let's see if he's for real or if he's just uh, talk. And if it's not a money issue, then I think someone like Western Sydney again. Because they Western Sydney are a well-drilled side who won't concede too many goals but the way they play they won't score too many either right. and Harry could just be look even if Harry doesn't play as well as we all would like him to what he will do because of his name um, he, he will just ensure that the opposition you know uh, is uh, challenged mm. and uh, it might allow then other players to get into the game and and score goals that Mm. uh, Western Sydney desperately needs to do to be uh, a better side. But uh, look, without a question, uh, Harry Kuehl should be playing football, and hopefully it will be in the A-League.
1: And according to Sage, it's not about the money. He said, uh, and this is the quote from the story, is that he says that he's made enough money, so the money issue isn't the problem. I guess the problem is how do you fit him into... A squad and, and can you fit him into the squad? And also this situation with his family as well. We don't know whether he has to go back to England or not. I'm not still... Do we know what's yeah, going on? I know understand. that there's a family issue which we totally respect. The
2: quote is that uh, he's got the family issue sorted out, but given that Cherie was sitting with her mum while she was getting chemotherapy on Friday, according to her Twitter account... That doesn't sound too sorted out to me, to mm. be
3: honest. Yeah. I think they might have sorted out the arrangement, which would allow Harry. Look, you're a long time out of the out of the game. Harry's probably got a year left in in, him, mm. in, in football, and I think they probably have sat down and said, look, you know, if I'm going to, you know, get that extra, year, we've got to make some sacrifices, and whilst. The situation with um, his wife's uh, mother is is a serious one, of course, and and you need the family. I think they've also realised that you know Harry will be a long time out of football, mm. and if there is a chance for him to play one more year, then let's give it a. I think uh, it'll best be. Shot. I think it'll be two more
2: years because. I honestly believe this whole exercise is simply to get him to uh, 2014 in Brazil, if we make oh. it. Well... He wants three World Cups under his belt, because, uh, you know, there's not many players that can say that they've done that, yeah. uh, and fair play to him for going for it. But the other issue is also, of course, his fitness. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I saw people saying that it's going to be February before he would be match fit. But I still personally think that an unfit Harry Kuehl is still better than probably 80% of... Players in the A League, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so even if you're only getting the last half hour from uh, in a match, and he's
1: just such so, so yeah, a player as well. Yeah. These days. Yeah, I think he, he
2: can manage his unfitness uh, so much better than any other player. You know, he knows how to work around what he's capable of and what he's mm. not capable of. And I could see him. You know, I've got to say it again. I, would bring so much to the Wanderers. Mm. Uh,
1: Having Ono and Kuel as well. I mean, two really good quality players yeah. in the same part of the field. and Yeah, um, we shall see. But look, from a player who's done it all in the game to a player who we think will do it all in the game is Tom Rogic. Um, we caught up with Tom recently for 442 magazine. He's actually on the cover of the next magazine in a small part. We have perhaps Messi on that uh, cover. But um, who... Uh, Oh, (laughs) just some guy who plays at Barcelona. I think he might have scored against Celtic overnight. Yeah, but only Uh, in the 90th minute. Yeah. Um, Did they lose? Yes, they (laughs) did. (laughs) Um, Holger Ossic says, um, don't overhype this talented teenager. Um, He's a very good player, though. Um, The media tends to look for players like this. But he is good. In fact, he's very good. Um, Do we have a responsibility, do you think, to perhaps Uh, not overhype these sort of players?
2: I I think we... (sighs) I think we have to strike a balance. I think it is important that we celebrate the young players coming through without a doubt. Um, And I think Rogic has a lot to offer, but what we have to realise is that he's not a 90-minutes superstar international level. I think he can still give us an hour of international quality football uh, for even for somebody his age. Uh, I think he's, he's a very, very good talent. He's maybe not the best, Talent in his position at this time, but he's going to be soon.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I, I think there's no doubt that he's a talent, and uh, we won't know um, how he'll um, fare at this level until he's given the opportunity. I've got certain doubts about it um, because playing a number 10 at the club level and f- playing that same way at international level is two different um, mm. uh, things. Um, first of all, Australia doesn't play with the number 10. Um, Uh, Mm. uh, you know, the national team doesn't play with a a real number 10, so it would uh, be interesting to see how he fits in. Mm. Can he play anywhere else? I'm not quite sure. Although, I must admit, (coughs) when you look at him as a player, he's such an exciting prospect. You know, the way he glides past players. He reminds me a little bit about the guy that I introduced to football many, many years ago at the age of 17 called Mark Viduka. Mm. And um, if it sounds like I'm big noting, yeah, I am actually, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was by far the finest player I've ever coached, and uh, at seventeen, he would just go- glide past players, and and uh, similarly, uh, not similarly. Mark was more, robe, you know, uh, a bigger uh, frame.
2: Roggage though, the thing that surprises me is, and I didn't realise until we met in person at the uh, the Nike deal uh, with the Socceroos, he is a big unit, yeah. Tom Rogich. Well, he, he actually not... is a genuinely big. Strong a boy. I tell
1: you, when I first met him in 2002, I went to London with him for Nike Chance. He was an even bigger unit. He was seven kilos bigger. Nah, seriously? Yeah. yeah. But, so uh, he has dropped weight. Um, and,
3: and, you know, um, he needs to because if there is a criticism, there was a bit of talk early on about his mobility or lack of it. Mm. And, uh, therefore, if you're carrying the excess uh, weight, it makes it a lot harder for you, especially as you play at the, the higher level but look he's an outstanding talent in the o league he needs to be given the opportunity let's see how he goes mm. as far as the hype is concerned yeah look from a media point of view it's hard mm. to ignore let's face it we need superstars we need players who everyone can mm. talk about but from an, uh, Holger Ossieck's point of view let's keep the kid level headed mm. so that he realises that he's not quite there he's got enormous potential and we've seen that we've seen too many players Uh, get big names and not be able to deal with it but I think uh, from what I'm seeing Rogic uh, uh, so far um, he's one of those players that I I really do believe can go places and I don't think the publicity will... um, sort of uh, um, spoil him in any uh, way. I think
2: as so long as Arnie's uh, in charge of his his team, there's no way he'll end up with a big head. Mm-hmm. Arnie, I'm sure, will be able to bring him down to earth quite happily, quite well, easily. The good thing
1: about Ruggish is he's actually like that. He's very level-headed. I spoke to him at the Nike launch recently, and I, I've obviously known him for a while, and, and he actually finds the... The, the talk of the next big thing slightly irritating. So he's not getting carried away at all with this hype. Um, but he's been selected in the in the national team. We'll talk about the national team shortly. But um, Branker, would you play him on on next Wednesday in in Korea? Well, I and don't do you think you. Run?
3: you do, I don't think you pick players and then not play them. You've mm-hmm. got to pick them to see whether they can. You know, these are the type of games that you've got to use to see where the next crop of. Players mm. are coming through. I think if there's a concern, and we, we'll probably touch on this later, um, if I have a concern about the national team, is that we haven't done that. We've left it too late. Mm. We, mm. We're still relying on. Mm. Well, we're talking about Harry Kuhl, Lucas Neal, and Mark Schwarzer. We're talking about Brazil in two years' time and saying they are still going to be our key players. Well, that's fine. We'll probably be the only team in history of the World Cup that will have half a dozen 40 year olds. Mm. turning up you Mm. know Um, so that's very alarming and concerning and that's why we need these youngsters you know
1: to be given an opportunity to see how they go Mm. and I think the Scotland game in August was the prime example for many people that the squad that he's picked really should have been the squad for the Scotland game. Oh, Luke, pretty I, much the same.
2: I've been saying for weeks now. We, this should have started a year ago. Yeah, uh, we, we went to sleep a year ago. Yeah. Horga went to sleep as well. Well, we as will talk so. about the
1: Socceroos in uh, in the next uh, part of the the uh, podcast. But that was part two. We will be back in part three to discuss Franca Kalina's career and also the Socceroos.
2: Alessandro Del Piero has arrived down under. And the biggest signing in the history of Australian football sat down with us in his first major magazine interview, We also catch up with Wayne Rooney, as he looks to lead Man United
0: back to the top of the EPL. Look back on the first 20 years of the UEFA Champions League and find out how you and three mates could be heading off to London to report on a Chelsea Champions League game thanks to Adidas. Can Barcelona continue to dominate after the departure of Pep Guardiola? And we attempt to answer the age-old debate about which league is the best in the world. If you live, sleep and breathe football, then you need 4-4-2. On sale now at all good news agents and the App Store. Back to
1: 442 Insider. Welcome back to part three of the 442 Insider. I'm with Branko Kalina and Kevin Ayers, the online editor of 442. And we're going to have a quick look at the Socceroos squad, which was announced yesterday by Holger Ossic for a friendly against Korea Republic next Wednesday in uh, Hoissong. I think it's... How's that pronounced? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I think it's the squad that most people were pretty happy with, guys. Um, certainly a lot, of, a lot of younger names. We've just mentioned Rogge, of course, is in there. Maddie Ryan. Let's just go through the squad, and guys, just give us your, your thoughts on this squad. Uh, personally, I, I, I would, was hoping to see M- Moy in the squad, but it uh, didn't get we can get in this squad but what surprised
2: me was we went for a 19 man squad I would have actually gone for a 23 I know it's one game it's mm. one friendly and it's you know there's an extra expense but geez four players how much more mm. would it cost um, I'd have gone for a 23 man squad I'd have taken uh, included Langerak, uh Mui Good uh, and possibly either Cahill or Holman not so much as a, in a playing role, but as a mentoring role. Mm. Uh, I think we need to, to have this that balance balance yeah. of young and old and the mentoring concept uh, rammed mm. into these players where the, the old players really take uh, the youngsters under the wings on a one-on-one basis. And they, you know, explain how it all works. Explain the system. Hold the hands basically as they change, the uh, change the passing yard. the
1: culture on. I think I think Mark Schwartz and Harry were saying that that they want the youngsters to understand the culture that they've built. Actually, I'll just quickly go through the squad for those who haven't seen it. It's uh, Babalj, Beich, Brosk, Holland, Lecky, McGowan, Mackay, Neil, Or Rogic, Rukovica Ryan. That's Matt Ryan. Uh, Sarota, Schwartz, Spiranovic, Thompson. Thwaites, Valeri, and Wilkshire. Branco, um, the squad when you first saw it, um, happy, unhappy, any thoughts?
3: Look, I think it's a matter of opinion. Everyone's got some players that they feel should have been uh, part of it and others that shouldn't be. But looking at the squad, I- I'm glad to see some of the younger players given the opportunity, not before time as well, because the only way you'll find out whether they have what it takes is uh, by. Um, uh, having them uh, involved, um, some of the old faces there are good as well because I think you do need to have the right balance. You can't just throw in all the young players and not enough experience mm. uh, to guide them along. A um, uh, couple of players that you would have probably liked to have come uh, seen there are not quite there, but they'll probably get their chances. I mean, uh, Mitch Langerak, uh, who's with Borussia Dortmund, you know, he's one goalkeeper that we've been talking about. Mm. Question mark maybe would be. Is it worthwhile having Mark Schwartzer there mm. uh, for a game that really means nothing?
2: I, yeah. uh, I don't. I personally wouldn't play him, but I would have him in the squad. Uh, again, as part of the, the hand-holding, changing of the guard, uh, and just mentoring role. I think with Ryan Langrack and Schwartzer there... Great combination and great. There's, Schwarz has
3: got so much knowledge to pass on. Well, look, I mean, Schwartz is going to still be there. I, I, mm. I think if Australia, and, and there's no reason why we shouldn't qualify for the World Cup in Brazil, Schwarz will be there. Um, and he's such a great uh, personality, uh, attitude. Uh, you know, at 40, he's still playing at the highest, mm. it, it probably one, if not the best league in the world, certainly mm. one of the best leagues in the world. So there's no question about him. But I'd certainly be looking at someone like Langerak and Ryan and saying, hey, let's see what you guys do. Mm. And, and give you a little bit of experience because if something does go wrong with with Schwarzer, you know we know that these guys will step in and, mm. and do the do, do the job. Um, the interesting one there is probably Matthew Lackey. I thought a couple of years ago when he was at Adelaide, he was outstanding. Exactly what we needed. Someone who had the speed, the mm. strength, to really have a go at people. He's been at, um, in uh, Germany now for a couple of uh, years. He's slowly beginning to make an impact, mm. and uh, uh, you know I like the inclusion, and I hope he gets a run so we can. See how he has progressed.
1: I mean, just looking at the squad, guys. I mean, do you play a four-two-three-one with this type of squad? Do you, do you play a four-four-two? I mean, I'm personally looking forward to seeing Babalge and Ruggage fairly close. Um, if he plays Babalj up front, with say Rogic as the second striker, even Rogic as one of the three behind. Your thoughts on what's sort of formation he is likely to play in this game, or would you like to see?
3: I think uh, Ozil is uh, pretty much from day one decided that the formation he uh, feels is best suited to His style of football is the four four two which is similar in many ways to four two three one because the the second striker really plays in it like a number ten role mm. and we 've seen tim carl mm. we 've seen others mm. who've been used in that position um, so I think he 'll stick to it I and mean, it 's too late now to be changing I, I, I think you with a system you have to uh, have a system and give it the opportunity to work and not just mm. keep changing it around because it may not work for one particular game. Um, but uh, that would be an interesting one. But by, uh, obviously going to Red Star Belgrade is, is a big club, but the standard of football there isn't the greatest. But again, it would be good to see mm.
1: how he fits in. Um, and give him a cap as well because we want to cap him, don't
3: we? Well, that's the other thing because if you don't, I'm sure that uh, yeah. Serbia or, you know... Um, or even, Boston, if we,
2: yeah. even if we do cap them in this, so it do- doesn't actually count, really. Exactly, because yeah, it's, cause a, it's friendly. a friendly game.
3: Mm. Yeah, um, you know the, the, what is amazing and surprising, but um, uh, I must take my hat off to to him. Is Archie Thompson? Now, yeah. what is surprising is this, and rather alarming is that Archie Thompson, at 34, is now considered as the a main stay of Australian uh, national Mm. team. Yet when he was 26, 28, um, he was regarded just a fringe player. There's two things. One is that credit to Archie Thompson for really, you know, uh, continuing to push himself uh, in his career. But a question mark about the strength of the Australian national team as Uh, well.
2: I I think, you know, that's though is a reflection of the problems we've had with the team over the past year where we've not been giving youngsters the chance. Not We've been relying on experience and veterans instead of bringing in Babage mm. before now uh, so to the point where Archie Thompson's the first name on the team sheet. It has to be. Three goals in three games. Uh, and that, that that's... That's a damning indictment of the management, I think, to be honest.
3: Just looking at the the team, uh, the squad, and you look at the clubs that they play for, um, decent clubs, but none of the clubs that uh, uh, sort of stand out Mm. in a way. When you looked at the 2006 squad and you had Lucas Neal playing at West Ham, Tim Carl at Everton. Uh, Jason Colina at PSV, Mark Viduca at Middlesbrough. Mm. You know, it was like some of the biggest clubs in, in world football. We now really struggle mm. to have one of our players <coughs> playing at a key club. And to me, that is a real concern. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, we're still effectively two years out from, the, uh, from Brazil. And, you know, in 2004, uh, Tim Cahill was still playing for Millwall. Uh, so, you know, the, if we play young upcoming players in the national team, it raises their credibility and their kudos and their bargaining power, and they can get better teams on the back of that. I mean, if you look at Dave Carney, he's a prime example of that. You know, uh, he ended up at Bunyotkar, which, you know, it's, it's actually still a good team in, within Asia. Uh, and considering. His record up to that point of never actually managing to last more than a season virtually with any club, uh, that wasn't a bad uh, result for him. And it was purely in the back of the number of games he's got for the national team, I I think.
3: I think the other thing is uh, now that we're part of Asia, we're getting to see a lot more... um, of Asian teams and, 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 you know, and the Asian teams are beginning to work us out <laughs> as well in many ways and, and you know, a few years back we hardly had any players playing in Asia. All of a sudden you've got a Lucas Neal, you've got Matthew Spiranovic you've got Alex Sprosk. Uh, they're all playing now in Asia and the Asian players are saying, hey, when they were at such and such club we used to look up to them yeah. and respect them. Now we see them every week. They may not be any better than what we are, so we 've got nothing to fear, so I think you 're finding that now other club or other nations are not fear in Asia in particular mm. are not fearing our players as much as they used to before mm. and to me that 's a little bit of a concern because when you run onto the park and, and you saw sort of in awe of your opposition, you sort of yeah. give them a lot more respect mm. now i don 't think we 're getting that kind of respect and uh, look, as Kevin said, if you have young players coming through, hopefully by being given the opportunity, they'll go on to bigger and better clubs and we'll be in that situation again. But the more we are as, like, the rest of the Asian, the the more we will be seen as just another uh, country in Asia and just another player playing his football in Asia.
1: Mm, yeah. OK, guys, it? let's pick a starting 11 from this squad. Um Let's just have a look at this, this this potential starting eleven. Obviously, he'll make a few changes. We know that, but I think if if we could pick a starting eleven, I mean, I might just sort of jump in there and just say, look, I'd pick Matt Ryan to start the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's it's a long way to drag Schwartzy over there, but I think he's there for for the experience of having him around. So, look, I would pick Matty Ryan in goal. Guys, would you.? Yeah, look, I. I, I mean, I, he is playing. As I well, don't think isn't? it will happen. I think
3: uh, Mark Schwartz will win goals for two reasons. One is to give that a little bit of leadership in the back line, particularly if the back line seems to be a little bit uh, youngish. Um, uh, although Lucas Neal will be there, uh, and the reason being is that I think uh, Schwarzer will also want another cap.
2: Yeah. So uh, I think that's, that's a lot of the reason for him getting yeah. picked.
3: And, and no coach will go against that. And Sam will apply to Lucas Neal. If Lucas Neal makes himself available, he'll play. So there's two players that will definitely play. It's a matter of then mm. building around that. I think Bage definitely um, Beige, will play in right back, uh, right, uh, left back, and Luke Wilkshire right back. So there's your, uh, and Speranovic, the next uh, alongside Neil as a two stopper So there's your back four and mm-hmm. a goalkeeper. And then in midfield, from what we've seen, Carl Valeri, when he's been available, he's pretty much been the main stand. There's no Miller Jedenek uh, this time around. So it um, be interesting does Matt, M- Matthew Mackay, Matt Mackay play alongside Valeri, or does uh, someone like um, uh, James Holland get a run and mm-hmm. play alongside him? So there's the two controlling midfielders and then does he play with, um, who plays out wide? Does Alex Brost go to the left wing or, or left midfield and um, that would leave probably um, either Rukovica or, or Tommy Raw could also play out, uh, out wide. Uh, Matthew Leckie could play mm. on the right side of... Yeah. All,
1: all, all. Well, I think all on the left and, and yeah. Leckie on the right, younger players going forward, would yep. give us a no, lot. Absolutely, yeah.
3: uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but again, Alex Bross can either play at wide yeah. or he can play up front as one of the strikers. Mm. Okay. Kev,
1: any, any thoughts on that?
2: <laughs> well, so, I, I think I would probably go for a, a bit of a younger backline, Arbeige on the left, and uh, put uh, McGowan out on the right. Uh, Lucas, I would leave in as leadership, uh, and I'd have Ryan and goals. Um,
1: Presumably you want somebody with a bit of pace on, next to Lucas as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, uh, and we don't really have too many <laughs> options there. Unfortunately, I mean you've got
3: Michael Thwait there yeah. as well. Do you bring him out uh, uh, all the way and and not play? Mm. Um,
2: I, I would have Thuay, uh in there. I think. Well, yeah. I mean, we know what Sporanovic is capable of. Yeah. Uh, if if Thwaite's not up to the job, Bring Sporanovic off the, the bench later on. Um, in midfield, uh, I would be tempted to go for Holland uh, and, uh, and then younger back line of uh, a, mid- midfield of uh, Orr and um, a. Who would I put on the right?
3: The, the right's a bit of a problem actually, isn't it? L- Licky probably could uh, be the ideal player. Um. Because of his speed and, and ability to mm.
2: get uh, up and down
1: the, yeah. the does, line, does he play on the right? I thought. Oh, yeah. I can't remember the last well, time what? I saw. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's on the right. Yes, yeah. oh, yeah. lucky well, mm. this then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you talk about four four two. I 2 mean, I, I prefer a four two three one with this particular. Uh, you know, I have Ruggish in there. I would start Ruggish. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I if think you play, was
3: okay. I, I think this is um, the dilemma. If you have, if you play out and out four four two. I don't think Rogic will start mm. because um, he's not really a striker or the second striker. Or, or, so, and if you play with four in the middle, then you'd find that Rogic's work great, and mm. is, may not be deemed as being good enough. But if you play four-two-three-one with the with the number ten being the second striker, then I think it's perfect for Rogic, and uh, it will be um, interesting to see mm. uh, how he. Um, plays in that role, but also how Australia plays with a genuine number 10. Because in the last four years or so, we really haven't had a genuine number 10. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been Tim Kyle or sometimes Harry Kew, but none of them have really been the genuine uh, playmakers yeah. number 10.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I think for, for a while I haven't been this excited to see the national team play because you've got so many new faces in there. So yeah. Can't I Can't wait to see this one. I just hope they,
2: you know, they get time to gel together. Yeah. Uh... And, you know, we can't read too much into the result. And we can't even read too much into the performances because these guys have got two days to play together and they've never, you know, most of them have never played, touched a ball Mm. on the same
1: field together apart from his uh, opposition. And I think that underlines the fact that you've got to have one or two experienced soccerers in that starting 11 just to maintain the shape and the the culture. They need the
2: spine. uh, Yeah and yeah uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out but I wouldn't read anything into the result uh, or even individual performances as a team uh, but you know look at how each individual person each individual player performs
1: mm. and Korea are using this as a bit of a test out as well I think they've, they've named a few new players so as it's well it's mainly a K-League squad I think so it'll be, it won't be it will be a star-studded starting eleven, but it'll be very interesting to see how we set up how they set up and I can't wait for this game Um, But, uh, I mean, that's the Socceroos for this section. We are with Branko Kalina, of course, and I'm dying to know Branko, just on you now. Um, You know, what have you been up to lately? Um, Just tell us about what keeps you busy these days. I know that you've got a technical director's role now. Um, Just talk us through what what you're up to these days.
3: Not a great deal, actually. Not as much as I have been uh, uh, over the past 20-odd years. Um, I've been very lucky uh, in in many ways that I've been full-time... Involved in football for the best part of uh, 20-odd years. Uh, last 12 months have been difficult. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, departure from Newcastle was sudden and unexpected and uh, ugly. Um, never saw it coming and uh, still don't understand today uh, why it happened and what went wrong. But that's football. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing ever um, should surprise you in the game. Um, did I take a tough year? Have I moved on? Yeah, I have to. I've got no choice. Uh, But it's taken a toll on the whole family. And uh, it's something I don't wish on on anybody. But I also don't want people to feel sorry for me because, as I said, I've been fortunate uh, that uh, football's been good to me over many, many uh, years. Um, I'm a career coach and very few have been in that situation in this country. Uh, Moving forward, yeah, I've taken on a job at Rockdale uh, City Suns uh, in the Premier League as a director of football and also uh, head coach. Um, director of football in particular interests me because it gives me the opportunity to work with the whole club, the juniors, which I'm very passionate about, the youth development and so forth. It's something that stems from my days as uh, being a father uh, of two boys who, who played the game uh, to the time I spent at New- Football New South Wales as a football director for four years where I was responsible and wanted to implement a lot of the ideas now that are implemented by... Mm. FFA, um, uh, you know, uh, it's 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 been uh, as I said uh, a passion of mine to, to work with uh, the youth, um, and I hope that uh, this will give me an opportunity, albeit at a uh, lower level than I would like to. But and the other thing that I do these days is a little bit of uh, radio work for ABC and a little bit of TV for ABC Grandstand. Um, but um, whilst I enjoy doing that, mm. it's certainly uh, nowhere near as um, enjoyable as being out on the park with players and um, and the challenges, you know, daily challenges uh, of, uh, of working with people and trying to get them to be uh, better footballers but also better human beings, which is very important to me. Um, so, yeah, that's over the last couple of months picked up and, um, yeah, it's coming along. But... Uh, it's been a, a difficult 12 months.
1: It's not a it's not an easy industry to work in, is it? Football in this country.
3: It's not. Uh, it's look, uh, and we're probably a bit to blame ourselves for that because it's in the past. It's been regarded as um, as a small industry uh, where there's only for example, 10 clubs in the A-League, 10 opportunities for coaches to be coaches. The media, uh, very few media opportunities for people to be involved. Uh, Administrators as well, particularly now that are uh, a full-time and all of that. Everyone wants to be part of it, but there's very few positions. Mm. We haven't been kind to each other as well, and that's the bit that uh, annoys me a fair bit. Uh, you know, if you look at the coaches, uh, we seldom speak to each other, which is, you know, we, we don't... Uh, and I've been guilty of that myself, where, um, you know, you haven't been as respectful as you should be to each other because one thing is for certain, whatever you go through... Other coaches will go through as well, if not today, mm. n- tomorrow, or the day after. Same with the, you know, media and, and administration. You know, um, everyone seems to be jealous of each other, and as soon as you get to a certain level, everyone wants to knock you down. Um, so, you know, that hasn't helped uh, the 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 game or or the people involved in the game. You know, um, but. Uh, again it's changing um, I've seen the changes even this year it's better than last year when you look at the number of uh, um, opportunities because the game is expanding there's more opportunities for for everyone I mean I'd love to see uh, football clubs uh, run by football people meaning you know you have Football directors who have a football background because they understand it. Now, some people might say, yeah, he's only saying that because of of himself. It's not because if you look at football clubs around the world, they all have ex-players or ex-coaches in key positions where they can advise. Mm -hmm. Head coach plans what happens today and tomorrow. But the football director is responsible what happens for the whole of the club, not just the first team, underneath them, for the next five years. And that's why it's important to have football people who understand the game and can actually take the club to the next level. Uh, that is very important. We're seeing a lot more um, people involved in the media. You know, albeit some of them have come from other codes now, no. and and are actually. But that's also healthy because I was at um, at Sydney FC training game uh, on Tuesday against Western Wanderers, and I was amazed uh, how many media people came to 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 that game for whatever reason mm. it might have been. It's You know, you wouldn't get that many for an international game in the past, let alone a friendly game. Mm. (laughs) That's how good it was. Mm. So that can only be good for the game. Uh, You know, we're slowly getting... um, More ex players involved uh, um, and ex coaches involved who can contribute uh, a lot more. Um, So, I'd like to see clubs also start creating a little bit of culture of their own, you know, respect the players that played for them, the coaches that coached them. You know, um, again, I'm not trying to (coughs) big note myself here, I'm one of two Australian coaches to have ever coached Sydney FC. Uh, John Cosmin and I are the only Australians to, I was the first Australian to coach Sydney FC I've never been invited by the club to attend any of their games Mm. and that's sad because you know you've got to create history we're a young country young football the A-League is only 8 years old unless you can somehow um, respect the players that played for you coaches that coached you, forget about what's happened, then how do you get these people to be part of your history, your culture and how do you hang on to these people to support you and say good things about mm-hmm. you and promote you? Mm-hmm. We need to have that in Australia, which in Europe and South America is mm-hmm. uh, you know, on top of every club's list. So we need to show a little bit more. Um, uh, respect to create that history
1: I mean I know that you love this country and your family is here you talk about opportunities, they are limited in this country but we've spent time with you in Asia in the Champions League I mean has Asia been on your radar as well over the last year or so?
3: Look it has uh, uh, crossed my mind Um, I I certainly would like the challenge of uh, being involved I I was fortunate enough to have coached uh, in the Asian Champions League, and been in Japan and China and Korea, uh, and then also was a technical director of football at uh, Newcastle when we played in the Champions League. So again, I had the, mm. and I loved every minute of it. Uh, I think it's a huge thing, the Asian Champions League, that that can only get better as um, we all embrace it. Um, but it's also difficult to get into the right place. You can get into some uh, smaller countries, but mm. really, if, if if you want to be involved in Asia, it's the places like uh, Japan, Korea, and to a lesser extent, uh, China, which is getting better and better mm. uh, all the time.
1: Mm. Well, it's um, it's great to hear those comments on the game in this country because it is expanding, I think, and uh, we continue with the A-League next with uh, a review of this weekend's round.
0: Interested in getting dozens of leading business experts helping you for free? No, you're not dreaming. You heard us right. Dozens of Australia's leading business experts in your office, your car, or on your phone 24-7 every day with tips, comments, discussion, and simple ideas to help you make your business a success. Get your business on track with the right advice. Go to businesssuccessradio.com.au and click the Listen Live button. Business Success Radio. Your business, your radio.
1: The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome to the final part of the 442 Insider. It's a marathon today. And, um, well, we're just looking at the, uh, the A-League this weekend coming up. Uh, guys, Melbourne Heart. We were talking about them before. Uh, they host Brisbane Raw. Um, Back I think with that's the, the cellar dwellers. The, who would have thought that uh, at the start of the season? Uh, Heart versus Raw. Friday night at Amy Park. Um... Pranko, just we were just talking about Hart before. Obviously a massive game for them. They need to win. Brisbane need to win as well. Is this going to be one of those games where it's actually going to be one of those ugly football games where it's a real lack of confidence from both sides and one team maybe gets a, a lucky break? Your thoughts on this type of game and who, who might win this one?
3: Yeah, uh, let's hope it's not the case uh, of being an ugly game. But I can I actually see it being an ugly game for for the reasons that we've discussed previously, mm. Melbourne Heart have lost three in a row, Brisbane have lost a, a couple in a row. Uh, there's enormous pressure on both clubs mm. from for different reasons. Brisbane, because really, you know, for a team that won the championship last year, you need to get back on track. And Melbourne Heart, if they really lose this one at home, it could be uh, a season gone already for them, even after round, um, mm. six rounds. So uh, who, who, who do you go for? I think Brisbane's a better team. There's no doubt mm. about that. And I've said earlier I picked Melbourne hard to finish last uh, there's no reason uh, in my mind to change anything but it's not going to be a, a very convincing um, uh, outcome either way
2: mm. Berisha has been ruled out with uh, an abdominal injury so they're going to lose the major source of goals mm. uh, so again you've you got to doubt uh, Brisbane Roar can mount their their fight back this week. Uh, having said that, though, you know I think if if anybody is going to emerge a winner out of this, I think it will be Roar. Uh, more likely a draw, given that Barish is out.
3: Interesting, uh, guys. In the previous encounters between these two teams, Melbourne have have handled Brisbane better probably than most other teams. The reason being um, they've actually applied pressure high up the field. Was yeah, I was going to say, if if, if, they if, do the if Hart
2: come out the same as yeah. they did against Victory with that lovely, well-drilled, well-oiled machine uh, that they, they showed us against Victory, then I can see them frustrating Roar uh, into submission and possibly sneaking a win out of it as well. Um, but if they continue to play the way they have, the last few games, I still think Roar might just edge
3: it if they can find a goal. Just quickly, uh, do you think the Brisbane Roar need to change their game again? Because we saw a couple of weeks ago Western Sydney Wanderers put a little bit of pressure onto them high up the Mm. field and all of a sudden uh, Brisbane could not get hold of the ball, couldn't play its natural game. But they kept persisting. But to Western Sydney's um, credit, they kept at it Mm. for the whole of the game. And uh, in, in the end, I thought they actually should have won more convincingly they did. The question is, does Brisbane Raw need to change their games? Because teams now, having seen how it has worked for you know mm. uh, Wanderers and Newcastles or, or Melbourne Hearts, they're all trying to play the same way. So what does Brisbane do to counter that?
2: Mm. I think, uh, to be fair, I think they have changed the game, a l- obviously, since uh, Ange. They, they now are willing to go direct uh, if they need to. So, you know... I, I, I think unless they're going to go direct all the time then uh it would be a mistake. Uh to, there's not much there's not many options left for them really to be honest. I I like the way they're playing at the moment.
1: They just need to play better. Mm-hmm. Uh basically. And with a little bit more urgency as well, I think. yeah we were discussing. That, well, the look. urgency
3: is uh, the urgency they showed against yeah. the Melbourne Victory when they beat them 5-0. Yeah. Uh,
1: tips guys. I look I'm going for a 1-1 draw for this one.
2: Yeah, i would probably go for uh, 0-0. Actually, no, it's clean clean sheets nearly. What am I talking about?
1: Uh, No, (laughs) 1-1.
3: Yeah, look, I think Brisbane will win, but uh, not uh, all that convincing.
1: Mm. Okay. Um, We've got a Saturday, Super Saturday in Sydney. Two big games starting at 5.30 on uh, Saturday afternoon with the Wanderers hosting the Jets, one of your former clubs. So we have all three marquees uh, in Sydney on the same day. Um, So... Firstly, uh, the Jets playing away to the Wanderers at 5.30. Wanderers, two great wins. Um, The Jets uh, off a loss in Perth. um, Had a fairly easy week training-wise. Do we see this the the game where the Jets can get back on track, perhaps?
2: Yeah. um, I mean, Wanderers, Mark Bridge turning out to be... uh, the chief source of goals for the Wanderers, which I'm not sure too many people would have anticipated at the no. beginning of the season. Um, but I think that's a reflection of the the, the the problems they've got at that end, where if you're relying on Mark Bridge for your goals, you're not going to score an awful lot of goals in the course of a season. Uh, that's no disrespect to Mark Bridge, even though it probably is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Keep talking, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> You're um,
1: listening. Bye.
2: But uh, the Jets on the other hand, I, I like uh, the Jets this season. I think they're, they're set up pretty well. They've got a, a great squad. Mm. Uh, a lot of it due to Branko's uh, encouragement w- uh, with the younger generation coming through. Throw Emil Heskey into that as well, mm. at the pointy end. And, yeah, you've got a lethal combination. So, you know, Wanderers have had a, a very, very strong defence uh, this season. I can see that continuing. But but I think Jets attack is more than capable of uh, dealing with that and I can see them winning 2-0. 2-0. Mm,
3: yeah, uh, just the first one before we touch on the actual game. I can't understand for the life of me why Western Sydney Wanderers are playing at 5:30 and at home and Sydney FC. I was going to say mm. and you know the so thing that annoys to me is things, there
2: wasn't a game in Sydney last week I think. Well, is that yeah. right? Was it last weekend there was no game in Sydney?
3: Um yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've
2: you know I, I had a free weekend. Yeah. I wanted to go to a match. There wasn't one in Sydney.
3: We've got Didn't
1: two teams. Wanderers play s- last week in Sydney.
3: Wanderers uh, yes. played Melbourne Heart. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, they played did. at home. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah.
1: But, but I think uh, the point about having the back-to-back yeah. games
3: and, and why not one on Saturday, one on Sunday?
1: Yeah, because you know there could be fans who go to both games, yeah. so you, you are cutting out. It'll be interesting to see the sort of crowd that they get. Uh, absolutely,
3: I, I think uh, the crowd, Sydney crowd will probably uh, uh, suffer. Um, uh, Uh, significantly because... uh, Rather, uh, Western Sydney's crowds because there'll be a lot of people wanting to see Del Piero play Mm. uh, who are Western Sydney supporters. They come from that area. But anyway, that's another matter, but that's an interesting point. As far as the game is concerned, look, Western Sydney are going to be hard to beat. Uh, They're at home. If they open up, uh, I think Jets will win. If they play... um, you know, defensively as they have in the first five rounds, uh, it might be difficult for Jets to break them down. Jets are very good, in my opinion, the best counter-attacking team mm. in, in, in the competition. In Emil Heskey, they've got a, a real target man and everyone talks about, oh, we don't need target mans, you know, but Emil Heskey is something special. Mm. Every, every ball that's played in the air, yeah. there's a fair chance. He does
1: that, that job very, very oh, well. Better he
3: than, th- and yeah. he, you know, like even last week against Perth, Glory, you know, he missed maybe two or three, but he got himself in terrific mm. positions.
1: Uh, and he set uh, up one of the goals with a lot
3: uh, absolutely. So, look, uh, the other thing is that I, I think um, Jets, like Kevin said, are better this year in, in have more depth and and, and overall quality. Uh, but Western Sydney's if they Western Sydney if they can beat. Uh, uh, the Jets there will be three wins in a row Uh, only good teams can do that Mm. and if they manage to achieve it that means they are a good side I I think they've certainly improved in the last couple of games it would have lifted their confidence and it would be an interesting game but I see a draw written over this uh, all over Mm.
1: so tips draw from Branko Kev
3: 2-0
1: Jets Jets. well I'm going to pick a 2-2 draw for this one I think two good sides I think this could be one of the best games of the round on Saturday night, also in Sydney, a couple of hours late, it's 7.45 is the big blue. Sydney FC versus Melbourne victory. Um, Sydney on the back of a 7-2 drubbing victory Monday night. Um, 3-2 win over Wellington Phoenix. Flores, Rojas, Thompson, Del Piero. Why wouldn't you want to go to see this game?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, with a few... Returning injured stars for Sydney as well. Which and potentially sh- Jason Kalina. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> I think he has. he's not quite ready,
3: is that right? I'm not sure. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the coach. No. Uh, I, th- I, th-
2: I think I saw somebody saying from Sydney that uh, it's possibly still one or two weeks away for Jason. Um, but who knows if, if he is... Up to the job, that'd be brilliant. Um, but I think uh, Adam Griffiths and Pascal Bosca- Boschart are uh, both being lined up to make a return. Vital that they get them back into the, the back mm-hmm. line. Otherwise, uh, victory on the back of their game against Phoenix, and the, the win uh, would run over uh, Sydney, as the Sydney turned out last weekend. Um, It's got to be a cracking match this Uh, This is as good uh, Not necessarily for the same reasons as previous Big Blues but I think this could be An absolute humdinger of a match Uh, I'm really looking forward to this
1: I've I've just got a sense that Victory are going to score early And it's going to be Victory very much dominating early on And then Sydney coming back into the game Um, Branco, obviously a Terrific game potentially in store
3: Yeah look I I think Sydney um, FC can't wait till they uh, uh, Get back on the Pitch because the best way to uh, overcome the disappointment of that seven-two drubbing from Central Coast is get back on the park as quickly as possible. And uh, uh, but having said that, uh, they're up against a team that I think, yeah, for all teams, is the worst side possible to play uh, after the drubbing. Um, I still think that Sydney FC are miss- going to be missing a, a few players. You know whether Boscard and Griffiths are back, mm. Fabio definitely. I don't think uh, will be back. Jason. Uh, as well, I saw the game on Tuesday, uh, while well, he's not 100%, of course. He needs to play games. The only mm. way you're, gonna, mm. you're going to get back is by playing games. Perhaps
1: playing for 20 minutes yeah. at the end. Uh, possibly, yeah. End, yeah. Yep.
3: But um, Melbourne Victory were very good in that first uh, hour against uh, Wellington. Uh, whether it was contrib- contributed by the fact that Wellington was very poor, I I'm not sure. But certainly Victory uh, was very, very good and uh, played some outstanding football. If... They reproduce that and and Sydney reproduces what they showed against Central Coast. I'm afraid that it's going to be a a, a really black night for us Sydney um, uh, football lovers. But I hope it's not the case. I I think Sydney will be harder uh, to beat this time. I think they'll be... um, uh, they'll have learned from that uh, I think um, they will have a proper plan here. yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, that was missing uh, mm. uh, last week uh, but I still think that uh, victory uh, will be too good on the, on the night especially if they happen to score an early goal because then all of a sudden Sydney will have to open up if they do open up mm. we know that Melbourne victory are, are lethal on counter attack mm. with Archie Thompson and uh, uh, Marcus Rojas um, you know out wide uh, pulling the strings
1: and I think the crowd is going to be really important on this want to certainly need a big crowd behind them because if they score early, they get the crowd onside. That they, it could just help them through. But this is going to be a cracker. If you if you've had a if you've got a friend who's never seen the A League, take them to this game. In fact, take them to any game.
2: Yeah. I think taking them to this game
3: there is almost guaranteed
2: mega goals in this yeah. game I,
3: I think what is good about our game, even when the game itself is dull and boring, the atmosphere that 's generated at football matches yeah. as compared to other codes is something different yeah. you know i 've had friends tell me, hey you know um, i don 't quite understand the football side of it didn 't really, but the atmosphere was electric and, yeah. and I think you know the, the, the football. Uh, in this country, has got to give itself a pat on the yeah. back. The way it and the supporters, the supporters yeah. Yeah. and there'll be
1: a few victory fans coming up. So we, we look forward to bringing seeing them in action. We uh, love having them here.
3: And there's no love uh, lost between the two teams no, either. No,
1: absolutely, not, no, no, absolutely no, absolutely. And of course, Del Piero is set to play. So you know what a night to go and see some football. You mean
3: to say he's not at uh, the Flemington races on Saturday? <laughs> Um, yeah. moving maybe, on
2: <laughs> interesting thing with that was the only pictures I saw from Flemington were of Del Piero yeah. uh, didn't see any cool pictures Yes. From Flemington, And, you know, time's gone past. Harry Kuhl would have been the star of the show That's at right. the Melbourne Cup. Yeah. But it's
1: good to see A-League players in the social pages. I think it's good for our sport that we've got players yeah. who are, you know, on the third page of the Sydney yes. Morning Herald at the uh, the races. Even though,
2: even though somebody with a hamstring injury probably shouldn't have been in a plane.
1: Mm. Our next Flying game was... To uh, next game. <laughs> <laughs> OK,
2: quick tips, boys. Quick tips. Victory for me. Um, if Sydney put the their best back line out, Victory 3-2 if Sydney put the same back out as the weekend, I think 50-0 victory. 15 <laughs> 0 you heard it here first.
1: I'm sipping a 3-3 absolute drama <laughs> fest. And I think there could be a red card as well. I yeah.
3: hope uh, you're right about uh, yeah. Sydney at least getting something out of the game. Well, it'll be
1: a great to see all the victory fans up in, uh, up in Sydney. They just make the game so special. Moving on, Wellington Phoenix hosting Central Coast. We're talking about teams coming back from a, a 7-2. They're going there on the back of a 7-2. Different kind of vibe in that game. They're away from home. It's not so special special for them when they go over. That's a difficult place. How difficult will it be to, to get a result after a 7-2 win?
2: I think, yeah, actually, you know, we're all picking up uh, Sydney versus Victory. This has the potential to actually be the real match of the round, to be honest. I'm really looking forward to this thing. It's going to be, a, one, a very good tactical battle, and two, I think there's going to be a lot... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Mariners come back from the 7-2 uh, win, and... Can they prov- uh, produce that same goal-getting uh, performance that they put in against Sydney against a, a team like Phoenix on their home ground? Phoenix obviously have to come back from uh, losing 3-2 and starting so late against Victory. Uh, I think they have actually got a few very good signings. He- Heisigan. He- Heisigan. Heisigan, thank you. Heisigan uh, is a fantastic signing by the looks mm. of things and I can see him you know doing some damage to the Mariners. Uh
1: it's a real challenge because you're coming off a 7-2 and yeah Well
2: the, the thing with the Mariners is up until that game they've really struggled to find goals. You know, they've been scraping 1-0 wins or one-goal wins. Mm. Uh and the fact that they managed to find seven goals, McBreen coming up with a hat-trick, uh it's, it's gold from new places almost for them.
1: Although, mm. to be fair, Phoenix's defence is not likely to be as porous as... Tennessee. Oh, absolutely not. No. No. Yeah,
3: no. I, I think we shouldn't read too much into mm. the previous encounter. Um, the reason being is that I think Wellington at home are probably uh, as good as any team is at home. In fact, their record at um, uh, at home has been brilliant. Mm. Um, they play different type of football. You know, after watching them in the first game against Sydney FC at the start of the season, I thought, gee, you know, they're one of my top teams. But then again, everybody that's played Sydney FC has looked good yeah, uh, yeah. since then. Yeah. But um, um, Mariners, look, they'll be bored by the, the result last week, but uh, yeah, you're quite right. Uh, I think they'll find Wellington defence a, a lot harder to break mm. down than what uh, was the case against uh, Sydney FC. The other thing about uh, Wellington is that they finished the game well on uh, against Melbourne Victory. They scored two late goals and that would have lifted them a little bit because they were very poor in that first mm. hour. But the last 20 minutes were much better and uh, Jeremy Brockie who I'm delighted for scored two superb goals. He would be on top of his game. I think Paul Eiffel was very quiet against Melbourne Victory. he He'll be better for it. And, of course, in defence, you know, um, uh, Ben Sigmund uh, missed the game due to the uh, uh, suspension uh, against Adelaide the week mm. before. He will be back, and he'll give them a lot more uh, steel and leadership that they were missing against Melbourne Victory because their defence against uh, Melbourne Victory was very, very poor. Mm. And let's not forget, we're talking about half of those guys that are playing for the New Zealand national team.
1: Mm. And speaking of which, they'd want to get a result in this game because half of those players are going to play against China on the Wednesday night... Which is another drama for that team. Well, and the
3: other thing is that they've lost two in a row already. So but if they lose at home again against uh, Central Coast Mariners, they'll be three in a row. Mm. Uh, it's very hard to bounce back after you lose three in a mm. row. Um, and I can't see that happening uh, no. uh, with Wellington. Uh, no. no, I, funny, I don't uh, think
1: they'll lose this game. I'm tipping perhaps a draw on this one, perhaps 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two, but I don't think Wellington will lose this one.
3: Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I think their position on the ladder at the moment... Uh, Six, no, no, no. They're no, well seven, outside. Seven. They're, they're
3: towards the bottom, uh, which seven, is probably seven, seven or eight, seven. eight yeah, there yeah. Yeah. on the table.
2: Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a fair reflection of the squad by any yeah, manner yeah. I means. Uh, although, having said that, you know, I think the fans are waking up to the fact they're really missing Tim Brown very badly in midfield, mm. worse than I think they expected. To although be Danny
1: Sanchez, him. to be fair, is due to be back soon, and I think he's been a key player for them as well in the last year or so. So when he comes back, I think with Heisigums and Brocky, yeah, I think they're going to be very difficult to beat.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, look at home. I think they're going. To to be almost unbeatable I still think that uh, they won't lose too many games at home And when you look at the overall squad When it's available, it's a, it's a good squad What worries me is their record Away from home, on the road yeah. uh, They did a little bit better towards the end mm-hmm. of last season But if you want to be a genuine team As Perth are beginning to show a Genuine top two or three team, Then you've got to do your bit away from home mm-hmm. uh, But at home, certainly Wellington uh, With the uh, calibre of players that they have Will be uh, a match for anyone
1: and just finally to to wrap up a bumper a podcast, uh, a top of the table clash really, Adelaide United at home in this rivalry round against Perth Glory. Uh, arguably, you know, again this could be one of the best games of the the round, guys. We'll just wrap it up very quickly with with tips and just a few words on this game, Kev. Uh, look really
2: looking forward to this game. It's going to be an absolute belter. Uh, I think there could be uh, quite a few goals in this and I think a lot of good football on display Uh, hard to pick a winner to be honest Um, I think but I'll go for maybe a 2-2 draw
3: yeah uh, deservedly a a clash of top two uh, teams Uh, Adelaide like we said uh, have been uh, very solid uh, throughout and I can uh, see Adelaide because of the results they've uh, been getting continuing on with that Perth glory Uh, probably a little bit lucky last week against Newcastle Mm -hmm. Um, unlucky against uh, Sydney the week before lucky against Newcastle but it's still a good side Adelaide being at home I just uh, think that they might uh, be too strong on the day
1: Mm. well I'm tipping another draw for this one I think uh, two very good sides right now so I'm going to tip a 2-2 draw but that is The uh, final part of the podcast. Thank you so much, Branco Kalina, for coming in today. Kevin Ayers, of course, from 442 442 Online.au.442.com, and don't forget, 442 Magazine is out next Wednesday with Lionel Messi on the cover. Um, Thank you, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week on the 442 Insider Podcast.
0: 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit Helms.com.au to find out more about our services.